Welcome to On Background. I'm Fred Delory. As you may know, my journey through politics has placed me in the thick of many conservative campaigns, even serving as the national campaign manager in the previous election. I'm a partisan. I'm a Tory. But today, we're tossing aside those party lines to tackle a burning question that I'll get into in a moment. Joining me is Carl Belanger, the founding president of Traction Strategies, who himself was a devoted partisan, but to his NDP. Carl has been involved in many campaigns and has worked shoulder to shoulder with such NDP legends like Jack Layton, Thomas Moclair, and my friend Anne McGrath, to name a few. Now here's the twist. Two veteran campaigners, one Tory, one Dipper, uniting to dissect the Liberals. Yeah, we're going to chat about the best moves for the Liberal Party. Now, whether our insights save or sabotage them, well, that's yet to be seen, but uh, trust me, it's going to be a fun chat and all on background, all off the record, of course. Um, so to set it up, Leger Marketing has a new poll I saw today that is consistent with all the other polls we've been seeing, but since it's the freshest, I'll go through this one. So Leger has Pierre Polyev's conservatives at 40% in the polls. Uh, I even saw a poll from a firm uh, known as Palace, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, with Polyev leading even in Quebec. Uh, the Liberals, according to Leger, uh, are at 26% in the country. The NDP are at 17%. So here's the big question I want to discuss today on background with you, Carl. Should Justin Trudeau continue to lead the Liberals? Is it in their best interest interest for him to stay on? Or should he take a walk in the snow? Take a walk in the snow. That's the common phrase, eh? <laughs> well, his, use that. his father it's made a it cool. cliche. But uh, the truth is that uh, when you took, uh, first of all, Fred, thanks for having me and thanks for the beer. Loving the the lug tread, uh, great beer, uh, and important to get that kind of fluid to uh, tackle this very important question <laughs> for the future of the country. Um, should Trudeau go? Um, smart money would be put on the fact that he should go because they're due, right? People assume that they're done. You look at the poll numbers that you just mentioned. Right. Oh, Polyev has been ahead in quite some time now. But you have to make sure you get what you want if you're going to change leaders. And if you look at the history... Um, hasn't really worked well for previous prime minister to walk away and then be replaced. Right. I have two words for you. Kim Campbell. Right. Right? I, Brian Mulroney is so unpopular. We can't do worse than Brian Mulroney. We have to change. You get Kim Campbell, you get two seats, you're wiped out. Uh, so the question, the real question is not, should Justin Trudeau go? The real question is, can anyone do better than Justin Trudeau? Right. That, and that's really the question. If I'm a liberal, that's what I'm going to be asking myself. Is there someone out there that could pull the party together uh, and run a competent campaign? And it's not just about winning the next election. Like we're all many people have written the next election off already, which I would not do. Trudeau, had, do that. Trudeau has won three in a row. And, and, and it, it came from behind three times. That's right. Like people forget that. But in 2015, obviously, he was in third place. Yes. And the last two times, I mean, O'Toole and Shear were leading in the polls. They yeah. were, you know, they had favorables, and in fact, they won the popular vote. So right. he beat the odds. Can he do it again? Well, and I these odds against and, him. And they're definitely stacked against him this time, though, at a different level. Yeah. They've never yeah, yeah. been before. Uh, but to my point, though, is, you know, can he come back? And if he can, um, you know, to what level? And um, I just don't know. I don't see any other liberal who's going to be able to build anything that can compete. Well, we can go through the list. Like well, people talking sure. about Christian Freeland. Right. Like, is, is she a retail politician that could compete with Poiliev on that front? I don't see it. 
Right. And and it's interesting with Christia Freeland. She's deputy prime minister. She's been in cabinet for eight years. Her experience levels do not match up to Polyev, though. He has been campaigning for 20 years. Yeah. And he has been a student of the game. That's where I think that's where the real advantage is for the conservatives, that the liberals don't have that person with the experience. Even though he's the leader of the opposition and a new leader, he's never run a general election. But in his mind, I think he's run a lot of general elections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's his life. His entire life is politics. Yeah. Like, uh, it's funny when he talks about career politicians. Like, <laughs> there is one, it's Pierre Paul. Yeah, because even before being an elected official, he was already working on the Hill. Uh, I think yep. for Stockwell Day, if I That's right, correctly. yeah, he worked for Stock. Yeah. yeah. And so, so Poliev knows the game. And, and you know, uh, at the same time, uh, uh, it doesn't mean that the, it's a sure thing for him because the strategy that they have right now is, is not necessarily a growth strategy uh, in as much as Trudeau must go, Trudeau is terrible, eight years of Trudeau. I mean, that's the messaging, right? But, but so you personalize it against uh, about Trudeau, and I think the liberals should do the same thing. They need to personalize it about Poiliev, but right now they're not doing that, really. They're more on the defensive, and nobody could step up and be suddenly with a new agenda and be the agent of change because the liberal brand is what it is, and it's been very much associated with Trudeau. And and if you were placed with Freeland or with Mark Carney or with uh, Champagne or Melanie Jolie, or, like, like, I don't, don't see any of them like rescuing that brand. And in, and in my experience in leadership campaigns, uh, the person who usually wins it is the person you did not expect to win it. So right. the next leader of the Liberal Party is someone you probably haven't even named yet. It's possible. Um, that's I mean, how it who thought Stéphane Zion would win, right? Right, exactly, then. exactly. Uh, who thought Aaron O'Toole would win? Who yeah. thought Andrew Scheer would win? Yeah. Um, this happens, right? And uh, so that's how that tends to break out. But just back to the question, though, for Trudeau himself, you know, we're seeing these polls, and I'm seeing more and more articles heating up that, you know, a lot of people saying he needs to step down, he needs mm-hmm, to go. Mm-hmm. Is that, um, how bad would the Liberals do, though, if they were to replace him? Well, I mean, I mean, you look at all the previous examples. We gave Kim Campbell as an example, but, I, you know, when, when Trudeau's father walked away in the snow, he was replaced by John Turner. Right. And then what happened? Right. The biggest, uh, the biggest conservative victory in, in history. Exactly. Right? And then you look at, at Jean Chrétien, who was replaced by the juggernaut. Remember that? The juggernaut, oh, yes. Paul Martin. And he faltered out. He flamed out. Uh, you know, replacing a sitting prime minister with a new leader, I don't have a recent example of somebody doing better. Right. And even at the premiership level, I mean, we just saw the example in Manitoba where Pallister was gone and was replaced and... Lo and behold, the NDP's in power now. Like, it's really, really hard to do better than a sitting prime minister. And so you liberals have to be careful if they are going to pass the reign to somebody else while in power because then it could send them in a turmoil for a very long time, especially if you consider the trend the Liberal Party was on before Justin Trudeau came along. That's right. That's a very good point. 35 seats they had in the House of Commons, yeah. right? That's This was a dead political party. They were in third place. And with the polarization of politics in Canada getting more and more worse, where you have the right and the left, uh, that liberal middle party at the time, what it was, was really on its deathbed until he was able to rejuvenate it and, and bring it back. Yeah, and, and, and the, the I guess the strategy for the liberals uh, will be to try to scare uh, all the you know left of center and leftist voters to vote liberal to stop the barbarians who are coming to the <laughs> gates, right? Uh, and, and they're going to try to scare NDP right. voters to vote liberals. It's worked in the past. It's, and it, it's yeah, the it, last 
two elections, conservatives had leads in the polls uh, in, with their own targeting of seats three days before election day yeah. and watched that NDP vote collapse into the liberals yeah. because of the fear of the conservatives. So so that said, right now, the NDP is holding its own in the polls. They're offering between 17 and 21 percent, depending on the polls. So basically, their historic level, if that holds, then the liberals don't have really a way to get out of there uh, because... They, they they will not attract a lot of new voters. There's not a lot of hope there, right? It's going to be a kind of a fear campaign, I'm afraid. Uh, but but for the liberals, like the question remains: Can somebody do better than Trudeau? And how bad can Trudeau give you? I mean, Trudeau still won three campaigns. Yeah. Like you bring an unproven leader in there, and then what happens? Well, you're going to have an unproven campaign, and he's going to you know that person is going to try to. Maybe bring new blood because we have to show that we're the agent of change. And that's, that rarely works. Right. Then you're running against your own brand that you've yeah, established too. Yeah, right? exactly. So I don't see how that can work for them, especially considering how late we are in the cycle. If Trudeau, right, right after the election, right, right after the election, Trudeau says, okay, well, two minority mandates in a row, uh, not the result I was expecting. Um, you know, I, I, I take note of these results and I, I'm going to take my walk in the snow now. Right. And then you have a full electoral cycle for a new leader to establish its brand and and a, a new government brand. Then maybe the liberals would have a fight that chains. But I don't see how they would have a better chance now without Trudeau than with him. It's funny you say that. We have such a, a unique political system in our country where if, uh, let's say, Prime Minister Trudeau was to announce he's stepping down tomorrow, uh, in any other country, you would have a new prime minister within a month or maybe weeks, yeah. right? They do it fast. They do it quick. We see the Brits keep, do, uh, you know, the Conservative Party in Britain yeah. kept doing it. Uh, they did it twice in a year uh, in, in a quick succession, where in Canada, we seem to like, oh, you need six months to do a leadership race. Uh, and well, and the really trend has been going about, like longer and longer leadership races, right? Yeah, like, and but now at the same time, if if it's for the prime ministership, if it's for the and given it's a minority parliament, yeah. they will have to do it much faster. Uh, no but, choice. But still, our, it, it's in our political culture to really drag these out. Um, I managed three major leadership campaigns in the last five years. Um, and uh, there was the fast one when uh, when Patrick Brown stepped down in, in Ontario as Ontario PC leader. We had, a, I think it was about a six-week leadership campaign, yeah. and that was a fast and furious it's better. and chaotic It's better for the it party. Was, it was the most it's fun. It's the most fun I've ever had on a campaign. For sure. Because a six-week campaign, I'm telling you, you work seven days a week, 20 hours a day, uh, so you're full tilt. Um, so as a campaigner, it was a lot of fun, but it was chaotic. Um, but it's absolutely it, it, it makes no sense to me why we can't do leadership races faster. Well, it, it's, it's actually counterproductive, in my opinion. And, and, you know, the argument is that, oh, you're bringing in new blood, you're bringing in new people. But, you know, signing up membership cards for a leadership race uh, full of people that will not be there on election day. Right. They, uh, you're not actually building your party. 100%. It's they a buy a membership, it's a they vote, and they disappear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Typically, I mean, I think I think I think Pierre Polyev has, has changed that. I think it's a bit different in his party for this instance, because there's people that really believe in what he's doing. So that, it's a bit different there. But generally, that is the case, and yeah. that's going to be the case in the future, where you're you're buying instatories, as we call them, where yeah. you know they're 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 <laughs> members for just to support because someone asked them to, yeah. not because they actually believe in the values of the party. So so what what so what do you think then? Uh, you know, if if Trudeau was to go uh, right now. Uh, they have anywhere between 40 and 60 seats, depending on the projections. If Trudeau was to go, can they improve on that? Like, is there a chance? Yeah, no. I, I'm, I wrote for this, I wrote for iPolitics a few months ago on this very issue. 
Um, and it's really heating up again. That's why I feel like there's pressure coming on Trudeau on this uh, and on the liberals. I think if the liberals remove Trudeau, they are doomed. Yeah. Uh, and maybe they're already going to lose, but losing and being doomed are two different things in my mind. Losing and losing badly. Yes, and being wiped out. I yeah. mean, we, we talked we talked about '84 with uh, when uh, when Trudeau won, left, and Turner took over. But and and you mentioned Campbell in '93. Um, you know, that was a complete wipeout where Brian Marooney, and he told me him this himself to me, and he, he said this to other people, he believes he could have got a minority if he stayed on. Yeah, now, I, I, don't, I agree I don't with know. that. I, I yeah, agree with that. I don't know if it's true if he got a minority, but he the party would not have collapsed into two seats. No, and, and similarly, I mean, there's other examples when you get rid of a leader, right? But similarly, um, if Tom Mulcair stuck around after 2015... I don't believe that the NDP would be reduced to one seat in Quebec. I don't believe that for a minute. 100% agree with you. I think Thomas Mulcair was, uh, I think that was a very bad strategic decision right. by, the, by the NDP. But, but people react with emotions with for leadership, right? The same yeah. way oh, yeah. I think I think that both O'Toole and Cher probably deserve another sh- kick at the can. I think they both deserved it considering they had won the popular vote. And despite the, first, the fact that it was their first campaign, they beat Trudeau, right? Except where it matters in terms of seats, but yeah. they—I think they both deserve something. But people, and, and 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 let's be very clear here: if somehow Pierre Poilievre drops this and loses to Trudeau, he's gone the next day. Like he's not sticking around either. Yeah, it's it's funny. I actually uh, I've advocated last week uh, on the show talking about how I think Poilievre deserves uh, should. As a conservative, we should have our leaders let them run twice. Harper yeah. Harper needed to do it twice, yeah. and it worked. Uh, I advocated publicly that Shear should until he got caught up in some stuff. Uh, obviously, I was Aaron O'Toole's campaign manager. I thought he should have got another chance. Polyev, same thing. The thing is, Polyev is so far ahead, as you said, like in the polls. For him to lose this, um, it'd be a major collapse. Something right? happened. Yeah. It means something happened. Yeah. It means something really bad happened. And so, something uh, will happen because things happen. Uh, you know? Things happen. It's funny though. Right now, um, as a conservative, watching all of this happen, uh, the liberals had the absolute worst luck I've seen. All maybe it's karma from years of good luck, but like they're getting pounded on everything. Yeah, uh, Trudeau can't do anything right now. But um, what are they doing though? Like they, no, they're they're right. You know. They don't seem to have a clear vision of what they want to do in government, so they're reacting to events. And when you're reacting and you're not coming forward with your own agenda, then everything's taken over. And then suddenly you have to react to the nervous nillies in your caucus, which is what happened with the carbon tax, which is completely counterintuitive to the political agenda that Trudeau has set since 2015 about climate change. And suddenly... You know, you bring an exception, even though a month ago, uh, Gilbo was saying no exception wouldn't be fair to anyone. Right. Right. right? And and so so that when that perception takes a hold, uh, this, the feeling that the government is adrift and doesn't have a clear vision and doesn't right. know where it's going. It, like it doesn't matter what you're trying to do because people can feel it, can sense that. And, and you're into a kind of a spiral. Uh, a losing spiral. Now, they can recover from it, and, and it's not impossible that Poiliev will step in it here and there uh, before the election, and people will have their suspicion about him. But but yes, you're right. I think I think it is Poiliev's to lose at this point. Yeah. Uh, and to your point, um, I think that's the number one overarching thing missing from the this liberal government, um, particularly if there's a campaign in two years' time or a year's time or a week's time. There's no narrative. There's no message. Yeah. There's no. I remember in 2011, uh, sorry, go back to 2008 where we almost lost government, and we completely 
uh, tore everything down and rebuilt a strategy and a, and a narrative. And we built it around Canada's economic action plan. It was our plan to get the economy going again. And we pounded that message, pounded it at every opportunity, every closing line, every message we put out, we talked about our economic action plan. And we had that coherent message. The Liberals have nothing like that right now. I'm not seeing anything from no. them. No. That They have lots of different policies that are all, they feel like they're all just out there floating around, nothing tying. Politics is storytelling. Yeah. It's all about telling stories. So, so, so that's an argument to change Trudeau because a leadership race could provide that sense of direction and leadership right. and vision. Right, and it'd be hard for him to do it as, as someone who's been in for eight years. That's right? right. That said, when you look at the electoral cycle, if you change prime minister now, you have a new prime minister, and that prime minister probably will lose, then that person is gone. Then you have a new leadership race, and so you've basically sacrificed three election cycles before you're in position to, to contend for power again because the next leader... Uh, will probably fail again. Uh, prime ministers in this country tend to serve at least two mandates, right? So, so you have to be very sure that you are willing to sacrifice one liberal leader because you sacrifice Trudeau, and then you sacrifice the next one because right. usually the new prime minister fails to win and then resign. That's what happened to John Turner. That's what happened to Kim Campbell. That's what happened to Paul Martin. Yeah, I can't think of a time when someone lost the the the, the, the prime ministership after taking it from a uh, someone within their party and keeping yeah on its it leader, does right? it does they not did. happen. I mean, it's rare it, at the premiership level. It has happened. Even uh, that's even that's it's very rare. rare though, it's right? rare. Like you yeah. don't see that at the premiership. I thought Notley was interesting in Alberta, where she stayed on after losing two elections in a row. Um, but that's very unique. Um, so that that's interesting. So the Liberals. Um, could go chew through leaders here quickly, like they have in the past, right? Um, with the the whole Martin to to Dion to Ignatiev, yeah, and that party was was on its deathbed. And and you know, and 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 we go back to the historical trend here that we're seeing with the Liberal Party. If the Liberal Party is something else than Trudeau's party, um, uh, because if it's not, uh, and Trudeau goes, then then maybe we revert back to that. We revert back to what we're seeing in most provinces, certainly west of Ontario where the actual political debate is between the right-wing conservatives and the left-wing NDP, and the liberals right. became marginal and are really also ran. And, and right now, there's not a single... Uh, there's only one provincial MLA between Yukon and Ontario, and it's in Manitoba just last time, right. where uh, Lamoureux won. And, and, and there's no liberals anymore, right? right? There are no provincial liberals uh, west of Ontario, uh, basically. And, and that's the norm in the Western world where the Liberal Party is, as a centrist party, kind of the pivot between the left and the right and not the natural governing party the way they like to see themselves here in Canada. Right. Well, I think that's the thing. I think what we're seeing is the the political middle is dying. It's now going to be right wing and left wing. Um, when, you know, we follow the American path in so many ways. Uh, we're, we are culturally American in many ways. And we're going to be seeing... I think uh, the Republican Party and the Conservative Party and then whatever is the left and the Democratic Party. So right now we have two left-wing progressive parties in this country that are battling for that vote and eventually I think we're going to get to the point where one of them dies. Uh, I don't see this going forward. Yeah, and, and, next, but, uh, but, but the interesting point is that the one that dies, um, I mean, the chances are that if the NDP had to die, it would be dead by now. I mean, they've, people have predicted their, the death of the NDP yep. numerous times. Right. Uh, and, and somehow, because of very strong regional pocket of supports, 
the NDP keeps coming back and keeps being a player. And 2011, you know, if you had talked to the New Democrats after the 1993 debacle, if ever the NDP be- could become the official opposition federally, uh, they would have said, you know, uh, absolutely impossible. But it happened. The Liberal Party, um, what it has going for it right now and still is 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 Toronto and Montreal. Right. Right. Those urban voters in Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver to a lesser extent. But if somehow the NDP can make inroads there in a significant fashion, it will be really hard for the Liberal Party to find a regional base of support from which to build on. And that's the big difference between the two parties in terms of the long-term sustainability of the brand. And that's why, uh, you know, uh, when you look at the, 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 the trend from, from, you know, the, 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 the 1950s to, to, to today, the Liberal Party of Canada um, has retracted from where it used to be, right. especially in rural Canada, except for maybe some pocket of francophone supports across the country where they still win those seats. But elsewhere, like rural Canada does not vote liberal. It goes from blue to orange to orange to blue. Uh, that shift has happened there. The last bastion is downtown Toronto, downtown Montreal, and downtown Vancouver to a certain extent. And if you look at eastern Canada, well, there the issue is that the NDP has not really been able to take hold, and the de facto left-right division is red and blue. Right. It's interesting, though. Some some of the research I saw um, in the last national campaign was uh, the support for the Liberals was actually still there in terms of your, your second ballot choice for everyone, uh, particularly in the rural areas, too, right? It was There was still a lot of Liberal, uh, and, and even with uh, social conservatives who were predominantly conservative, they the Liberals still do well there. Among mm-hmm. some social conservatives, mm-hmm. as their second choice. So there's still, I think that's a brand that is very strong that could rebound if they have the right leader and the right approach. Yeah, um, I mean, number two is nice. Uh, the challenge, oh, yeah, of course, of course, it means absolutely <laughs> nothing in our game, particularly with our first past the yeah. post. But I'm just saying there is something with that brand that is resilient. It keeps oh, coming absolutely. back. The way you know Trudeau, obviously in 15 took a party of 35 seats to a majority government. And a lot of that, it wasn't so much the Trudeau brand as also the, sorry, the Liberal brand, but the Trudeau brand. And Absolutely. What he was and, and the, the anti-Arbor sentiment that was there. Right. And existed. And, 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 and it coalesced around him instead of Mulcair. Yeah. Um, though Mulcair still did quite well. Well, did second best results in the history of the NDP. People right. forget that. Right. But yeah, he, he did quite well, for, especially for a, a rookie leader. Certainly best result for a rookie leader. Uh, and now Drugmit Singh is... is you know, uh, is is below that still after two election and pulling below that. I don't see Singh um, increasing that total that much. What's funny? It's first Although, time I think as for, we've been chatting for a while. I think it's the yeah. first time one of us said his name. Right? Yeah. So so Singh, Singh. I mean, there's a couple of interesting thing about about the dynamic now. But when you look at the new democratic path to power, um, it is there if liberal voters are so fed up with Trudeau and the liberal brand, and so scared of conservative and Pierre Poiliev that they turn towards the NDP to, you know, save the furniture. So this is their best shot coming up, potentially. It, it is a very good shot. So so this is this is another thing we haven't talked about, the dynamic of the uh, the uh, the accord between right. the NDP and the Liberal Party. If you change leader, what happens to that accord? Right. Like, is it still in play? Is it, like, is the signature still valid? Can the NDP uh, renegotiate for more? Can the Liberals just walk away more? and say... Could, what else could they ask they for? They can ask for more. They can, <laughs> what? Oh, you can always ask for more. <laughs> okay. There's always something more you can get. At, at play, though, is 
that the, the NDP is in charge of when this government is falling. If it's falling, hundred percent, right? Yeah. So, so if you want it to fall, you need to ask for more to have yeah. a reason. I just don't know what else the government could potentially give the NDP. Oh, They've so asked for and got everything. So much more, Fred. <laughs> a chicken in every pot. Okay, um, but but look, I, I think the next election though could be at the same time. Uh, in my prediction right now is the NDP are going to get wiped out in the next election. I think that. The Trudeau brand and his ability to campaign, as much as we, you know, everyone I know hates Trudeau, and that's been for the three elections in a row. Everyone's stunned that he that he's ever won, uh, that I talked to as a conservative. But he continues to win, and I know he's way down in the polls. But if you look at it, you know, Polyev is six points up from where we were last election, and Trudeau's seven points down from where he was. That's not as big a gap to make up. It's in a the week. Next, yeah. It's a week in the campaign. So things can move. Yeah. But it, I think if they move, they're moving from the NDP to the Liberals. So, so the question is, who are the swing voters? Right? Are right. they the blue red switchers? Are the the orange red switchers? Or are they the orange blue switchers? Right. And and so. The anybody but Poiliev crowd will have, uh, you know, they'll be out in force. They always add, yeah, right. And 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 then you have the the people who are fed up with the liberals but can't stand Poiliev. They'll go NDP. But the the challenge will be, uh, what's the bad question, right? And right now, uh, the conservative strategy seems to be not to grow the party but to suppress the liberal votes to make sure that people are so fed up with the liberals that they don't go to vote. Liberal voters stay home. No, I don't, don't think need, that's a strategy. You don't need to vote for us. I don't think that's a strategy. I think it's they are getting they're getting people who haven't voted. We've found in our research there's you mean so, new voters. Yeah, new voters. Yeah, yeah. That have not voted. There's yeah, yeah. so many Canadians that do not vote that I think are finally fed up. Uh, and I think because and a big part of the the reason they didn't vote is they they didn't trust any of the parties. They felt no one had their back. I think right now they believe Poliev has their back because he's out there talking to them. And pushing messages. He, to I mean, them. the messaging—the messaging is quite simplistic, but it works because it's simple, and people are, that's, you know, just inflation. That's how politics yeah, wins. <laughs> that's how it works. Meanwhile, how do you win in politics. Me- meanwhile, you have the, you know, the conferences uh, of three ministers, press conferences, talking for forty-five minutes about very complicated issues, and not drilling anything into the heads of Canadians. You, you figured it out, hundred percent. Uh, right? Why Polyev is doing how well he's doing is very simplistic to the core messaging where the the Trudeau government is exactly these long press conferences these long they're doing it old school um, they've become what they they defeated in 15 right in 15 we had become that old tired government that we, I, I don't I ran as a candidate in 15 and I still don't know what our real message was that right. campaign um, where the liberals had one then they don't have one now and Poliev does it's simplistic it's clear uh, and you feel he's he, he's he's in your corner and that's what's going to resonate. Yeah. I think. So can Trudeau cast himself as being in people's corner again? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I if anyone can do it, I think it could be him because I think Canadians ultimately want Trudeau to succeed. They've they wanted always him to wanted that. People don't realize that, right? But in 2015, before uh, Trudeau was in the lead in the lead in the polls, I mean, I'm sure you did the same kind of research we did, but uh, we were asking people uh, their thoughts about Justin Trudeau, and and a lot of them were saying. Well, he's not ready, right? Right. Well, that was right? our, our whole camp. That was our attack ad on yeah, him. Yeah, because was, because people were telling us that yeah. he's not ready, but we'd like him to do well. Yeah. We'd like him to eventually. And then he we'd showed like up. To, yeah, on the campaign as ready. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 people meant well for him, and I think they still do, but not as much as they used to because he did not deliver on so many things. Yeah, and the more you disappoint people. Uh, the less people will show up for you. And so politics is a game of addition. And right now, the Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau 
uh, they are playing the subtraction game. And where do they make gains? Who are these new voters that will vote for him the way they did right. in 2015? Right. Well, they have. They, there's no question they need to run a contrast campaign. They need to show why uh, they, they have to tell a story what Trudeau's doing that's working for Canada. If there is a story, it's got to be out there. There's got to be something. They have to tell that story and then tell the story why Polyev is bad. Um, but they have to tell it in a clear way. They have to push it hard and aggressively. Um, it's a fine line, right? Because the, and, and I think New Democrats are guilty of that too. And but I made the joke earlier about the barbarians at the gates, right? That's that's the reaction, the visceral reaction from a lot of liberals and New Democrats when they see Poilievre and his crew and the way they're behaving, and they're making comparison to Donald Trump, and you know they're calling them extremists and this and that. But you know the same way when Republican voters and some moderate Democrat voters voted for Trump. Uh, when you tell people that their favorite candidate is scary, is dangerous, is stupid, yeah. is this and that, you don't insult the candidate. You insult them for considering the candidate, right? And it doesn't go well usually, right? It's it's because they missed, they didn't tell the story right, yeah. right? That's what it is. You have to actually show, and you have to have evidence, and you have to. And I don't know if there's anything there to actually hit Poliev on, but that's the liberals' only chance is to try to tell a story that resonates with the voters that doesn't, you're right, doesn't insult him and that doesn't just say, oh, he's a bad guy, you can't vote for him. You've got to show me why he's a bad guy. And that's what we failed in 15. You know, we said Trudeau wasn't ready. Um, and you know what? He showed up in that campaign and he won the debates. Yeah. He did an amazing job in the debates where uh, he blew us. I remember watching as a candidate, we watched the first leadership debate and I was like, holy like this is not good. The best position for a leader to go into these things is being underestimated, and and you know the uh, the one who has to beat the odds because you know you, you come in with a lot of confidence and you have nothing to lose, and if you overperform and you show up with your pants on, uh, then right. <laughs> right, remember that. I remember that. So so suddenly you know you overcome uh, everything that was against you, and 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 you surprise people. But the thing is that he's a known commodity now. Right, yeah, people yeah. see Trudeau for what he is, but more importantly, for what he did and did not do. Right, and this is where it's really hard to bring back the people who were disappointed and had hope in you because he did sell hope, uh, because you failed to deliver, and 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 a lot of it has nothing to do with him necessarily. I mean, COVID has nothing to do with Trudeau, right? Like it's not his fault. Uh, the inflation right now is is a world phenomenon, but. You know, all the, the question is, how are you reacting to that and how are you implementing yeah. policies to deal with that? Yeah, he's wearing it more than any other world leader, it feels like. It's yeah. happening across the world, but he is wearing it somehow yeah. for some reason Yeah, he is wearing it differently, for sure. And, and, and you know he's admitted that he's wearing it because he reversed, tacked on the carbon tax. Right, you know, signature Yes, policy. I'm wearing it. I need to change something. Yeah. And, and so when you start doing that, you know, I mean, you could uh, change the trend. You could reverse that trend. Or it could be a signal that, yeah, the conservatives are right, he's wrong, that's why he's changing tact, and that's why that's why we need to keep pushing that way. Right. Yeah, so going into the next election, what message could he be, be saying to people, though? What is it that he can do? What Like you're saying, so you agree he should stay on as leader, and yeah. I think he should too. I think it would be a mistake for the Liberal Party. As a conservative, I'd love... I, Obviously, you'd think he should. It'd be great if he left, but if he stays on, uh, how is it that he communicates to Canadians? What would you do if you were him? Yeah, I mean, they need to be smarter about how they use their their um, their opportunities. Uh, you know, they need to stop doing s silly things on social media and start being serious again. Right. Because the people 
that love that stuff back in 2015 have grown up and now they're dealing with problems right and and tiktok videos and stuff like that don't speak to them the same way anymore right but there's two prongs you need to have a clear simple vision of the three things you will do not 25 things right three things boil it down boil it down put it into hammer it away and then you have to have a very crystal clear messaging on the danger of a poorly of government and then you need to scare voters away from other parties and vote for you to stop them. If you do not do that, you will fail. Right. Because because that's the only way, because he's been there for too long. And right. as I said earlier, if he had left right after the election, you would have had a chance to maybe rebrand the government. Now you can't do that. So you need to take what worked, keep that, get rid of everything that's superfluous, and focus your messaging. Right, right. And, and to that point on... They cannot. They're not going to be able to motivate Canadians to come vote for them, because of everything that they've done and they've been in power this for eight years. All they could do is motivate Canadians to vote against their opponent. That's how they're. That's their path. Yeah, I mean, the devil you know, right, is better right. than the devil you don't know. Right. And there are the things that you don't know about Poiliev, and and you know those things. I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of things that Poiliev does and say that plays against him sometimes, and I think can be exploited. But I don't think the Liberals have done a good job of doing that. And right now, if there was an election, it would be a referendum on Justin Trudeau. That's not good. Right. You need right. to switch that and make right. it a referendum on Pierre Poilievre. Right. Well, the Apple video is interesting where the conservatives were uh, very good to jump on. The very first time I saw that Apple video was him being attacked by liberal partisans saying how smugged he looked. And I watched it through that lens at first thinking, what is this? And then I actually watched the full video and realized, okay, I thought, you know, as a conservative, I, I liked what Pierre said, how he challenged uh, the questions that were being put to him. And weeks later, or a week later, the liberals finally came out with an attack video comparing him to Trump. Yeah. Where he says he's not Trump or asked the reporter what the page is. But then the, the liberals did a really good job on it. Just uh, slow. Just slow. So slow. If yeah. they put that video out the first day or two, if they could do that, it would have been much more effective. But so far down the road that I, when I actually I saw the video, when I thought it was, I've already seen this video. Right. I'm not going to click and watch this again. Right. But then someone said, no, you got to watch it. It's a, <laughs> it's a But you put your finger on it. Which mainstream voter, mainstream switch voter will go and watch that? Right, it needs to happen the in new the moment. Video. Right, they've yeah. seen the other one. They yeah. seen the good one. Yeah. Where he won. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much it helps swing voters to make their mind those kind of war. I mean, I'd be curious to do a focus group and showcase the two videos side by side and see. But you know, all of that needs to happen so quickly for it to be effective. Yeah, and and I think the what, it's, it's what gets to you first. Yeah. It's when you see what video did I see yeah. first. That's where my okay. I and like this, this is where the then... liberal war room, such as it is perhaps is a little rusty and a little complacent and perhaps the, the, the best players are too busy governing. The burden of governing, right? Yeah. Like they actually have a country to run uh, where the conservatives can focus solely on campaigning and that's how politics works. That's, but uh, when you're the government, you still have an advantage, right? Your, your, your megaphone is much bigger than the opposition. Yeah. It's still much bigger. And so uh, if you are to relinquish power by choosing a new leader, having a new prime minister that could go down to the polls quickly because I need a mandate for the people, right? Yeah. Uh, you are gambling power away. While you have power, you're in charge. You're in the driver's right, seat. Right. So you have to be very careful to relinquish any part of it yeah. because you don't know where that's going to lead you. 
You can set the agenda, right? You're setting the agenda. You should, you be, should a, a, be. You should be. Right? And they have not been for a long time. Not really. And I think, again, back to the narrative thing, I think what they're missing is an architect. I don't know if they have that person who is sitting down writing the narrative. Not You can't have someone who's burdened with running the government doing this, right? You need someone. I remember in, in 2005, we tried to bring down the liberals. We failed by one vote when yeah. Belinda Strana crossed the floor. You remember. <laughs> you, right. You guys had a great deal with the, at that time with the liberals. Uh, we tried to bring them down. We failed. And we had our whole war room operational that summer. We were ready for an election, or so we thought. And it was when we failed that uh, Mr. Harper, I, I say Mr. Harper, he was not prime minister yet, he wanted a full audit of our campaign. Like, where, how ready were we? And that's when we pulled back the layers and realized we weren't ready. Yeah. We didn't have that story to tell. We didn't have our narrative. And we had a huge uh, calling at that summer. And we brought in, uh, you know, we still had the top dogs. We still had Ian Brody and Doug Finley and these guys running, like, chief of staff and, and, and director of political operations. But we brought in Patrick Mutart to write the narrative to become that architect to put together that plan and then six months later uh stephen harper becomes prime minister of canada yeah. uh, because we have that story to tell and and people underestimate the um, the capacity to people to do both things right yeah it it is really really hard when you're in the thick of it when parliament is sitting when question periods happening when you have the daily scrums and the press conferences and everything that's happening at once to take a huge step back and figure out the bigger picture and the long-term narrative it is almost impossible to do because you are so engulfed in the daily operations. Yeah. And a lot of that is, if you want to be in a game, is reaction, right? It has to be quick. It has, you have to be nimble. So when you're nimble and quick and reacting, sometimes you lose track of what's the end goal here in six months, two right. years, you know, down the road. It's really hard to do. You need to have people that think about that and really do it in, in, in a way that can help the people who are dealing and handling the daily operations to make decisions based on that long-term plan. But if there's no long-term plan, people will make decisions. They'll just make decisions, and things will stick or not. And right. it's kind of uh, you know muddled at the end of the day. Right. The liberals need to be in campaign mode to save themselves, to have any shot at doing so, and they're not. Um, and it is what it is. If, if that's not where they're going to be, then so be it. Um, and they're going to come into the next election, and you know the conservatives have been running full tilt for, for some time on this. So um, the, o the only thing I hear from my friends uh, on, the blue, on the blue side are telling me they worry that Pierre may burn out because he's going full tilt. And I can tell... You mean personally, so, in terms of stamina? Yeah, and oh. I can tell you... Uh, he's in good shape, though. He's in great shape. Oh, I've seen him in T-shirts uh, and stuff. <laughs> not even physically. <laughs> he's mentally there, right? Like, this guy is a campaigner. This is his life. He's not someone that just comes out from another side of the world or another uh, uh, vocation. I mean, he's like a Maritonian. He's trained for this all his he life. Is. So I, I don't see him no he, i think he fee, i think in around. fact it gives him more energy he loves yeah. going out there and the massive crowds he's getting um and the response he's getting just continues to fuel him so i i, I don't see any scenario where he's going to burn out i just don't see that where no. but again i would see other leaders be in that that would be a risk for a lot of people that much travel that much work that out on the road but this guy is a political animal and that's why i've, I've been saying for some time this next campaign trudeau versus poliev is going to be an epic battle this yeah. is a, and and I think Trudeau wants it. That's the one thing we. That's discuss. why he's still. That's why he's still here. He right. wants his that motivation. Battle, right? right. He wants to fight Poliev and beat him. He yeah. actually truly wants that, and he is the underdog. He's going in this fight as an underdog. He's been underestimated before, and he's won. So so I think I mean when you look at him in action, I mean 
Trill feels it doesn't feel like a nervous guy right now. Like he right. feels quite comfortable with what he's doing. Right. And and to the point where he's making a, what I think are error in judgment in terms of way he says things or the way, you know, he he, he approaches things. But he's doing it with a, f- you know, not a fearful point of view. He's very confident in his capacity to overcome this. And and if he was not, he was if if he was showing signs of weakness. Um, I think you would see the Liberal caucus turn on him way quicker than they have been because they're not really turning on him. They see rumblings here and there, but right. you you know, it, it's not the revolution that we've seen, the revolt that we've seen in other parties, even parties in power, like we saw in, in the UK not that long ago. Right. You don't see that here. And, and and I think the history is why, right? Like none of these people were elected until Trudeau became leader. Yeah. He led them to the jobs they currently have. He got them these positions they have. So he probably has the safest job in terms of a, a caucus, uh, despite where he is in the polls because of that. Yeah. So to, to turn on him, um, you know, he, he delivered those seats to them. And it's very difficult to get rid of a leader that is a sitting leader yeah. without actually destroying or imploding your own party and and right that, that would that would exactly they're on a knife's edge right now they are all in trouble if they were to overthrow trudeau if they were to do something like yeah. that they would be just they'd be they'd be dooming themselves would be very hard to recover from all right well look we have a tory and a dipper uh agreeing here that the <laughs> the liberals should keep their leader in and place. we're not trying to sabotage anyone not at all. Swear. Not at all. <laughs> listen to our advice please i think that's a perfect way to end this so thanks so much for for coming in to chat today i really enjoyed it um, but that's, uh, that's was a pleasure. It was, it was great. great having you here. Yeah, Good chat again. Love to have you on again. Um, and that's all the time we have, folks. Uh, if you like this podcast, please subscribe, share it with friends, uh, and tell them about it. But also, uh, let me know what you think. Leave a review or email me at onbackground at ipolitics.ca. I want to know what you think. How are we doing? What kind of topics would should we tackle? Uh, you know, a listener actually wrote in last night and actually gave me a great idea for an episode that we're already working on for later this fall. So please, I want to hear from you. But right now, we got to go. Thanks for tuning in.